Hey people, and welcome back to Revival on the Air today. Today on the podcast, we have our first international guest, Pastor Godfrey Whippen from Papua New Guinea. Pastor Godfrey was recently in Adelaide, and I was fortunate enough to be able to grab some of his time for him to tell his story about how he came to know God personally, and of some amazing miracles, and of how the revival work started in Papua New Guinea. From the beginning with just him and his family, to now over 100,000 people fellowshipping right across PNG. It's an inspiring tale with lots of encouragement for all of us in there. Enjoy and God bless. Hello, Pastor Godfrey. Hello, Ben. Welcome to the Revival on the Air Today podcast. Thank you. You're a very special guest for us today because you're our first international guest on the podcast. I've uh, mostly been interviewing people from Adelaide and now we have somebody from Papua New Guinea which is great. So great to have you here and great to have you in Australia. Amen. Now, for those that don't know you, you're Pastor Godfrey Whippen. Godfrey Whippen, the principal pastor of the Revival Centres of Papua New Guinea, which affiliates with the Worldwide Revival Fellowships. I am from uh, Karaide Village, Lumi. That's between uh, the border, near the border, between Indonesia's uh, province of West Papua and Papua New Guinea. I came to the Lord uh, way back in uh, Melbourne on the 31st of May, 1981. Prior to that, I was suffering from a collapsed lung at the right-hand side, and I was on medication for nine months, and at the same time, I was looking for a miracle because my Indian doctor, Dr. Parikh, told me that uh, the sickness was very serious. It has uh, destroyed almost my right and uh, side lung, and it was going to the other side. And he, in fact, told me, you need a miracle. You need a miracle. So, Pastor Godfrey, was that why you were in Melbourne, because you were sick? No, I was uh, working with Radio Australia in Melbourne. I came down from Port Mosby towards the end of 1979, and I worked there until 1980, 1981. I suffered from this collapsed lung. And then I started to look for healing. I went to the medical, uh, you know, the doctors there in Melbourne. And then at the same time, I went back up to PNG to look for, uh, you know, our uh, sort of a sorcery type, you know, for healing. Not something we're used to seeing here in Australia. No. <laughs> I didn't find anything, and it was through my search for healing that I ended up knowing the truth. A Papua New Guinean in Port Mosby, a young man there in Port Mosby, told me that I needed God. I needed to be born again of the water and of the Spirit, and then the Lord would heal me. Did you believe in God at that point? I wasn't at all because uh, I had been in the church I had been in one of the biggest uh, churches throughout the world, that's a Roman church, now known as the Catholic Church. I was in the church. I studied to become a priest at a seminary there, but I failed Latin, and then I came out and, of course, working with uh, radio. Then finally, down to Port Mosby, and then I ended up with Radio Australia. So that's my long story. But uh, I was uh, in the church. I fellowship there, but my attitudes didn't change, and I stopped attending the church. Then when I came across this man in Port Mosby, he told me that I needed to be born again, and I told him that I lived in Australia. He said, you go back again to Australia and uh, go and look for churches that talk about born again, born again of the water and of the spirit. So that's how I got his message, and I came down to Melbourne. That was in 1980, beginning of 1980. I came down to Melbourne and then I uh, was working. I was on medication and then I started to attend the churches. I went to quite a number of churches in Melbourne, but I didn't experience anything at all, no healing. So, so you didn't know, see any power I, in any of those churches? No, nothing. nothing at all. So I put it this way, I... I didn't stop. I kept going, kept going. But so many churches in Melbourne, so I uh, was working 
on and off. You know, a week I would be working, another week I would be off, something like that. So I didn't have much time to to attend the churches and look for healing. But anyway, I was sick for nine months. And uh, one time I came uh, back from my doctor's clinic. And that's how I met a Greek fella, a bus driver. He was driving a bus at the time. He picked me up and dropped me off. And then I uh, said thank you to him. Then somehow I said God bless to him. And he heard me and uh, he got up and asked me, he said, are you Christian? No, no, I'm not Christian, I'm Catholic, you know. And he said, no, you have to be born again of the water and of the Spirit. So his words really echoed what you'd yes, been told in yes, public Yes, in PNG. Mm. And then I held his hands and we shook hands and shook hands and then... I said to him, uh, can you give me your phone number and address and so forth? This week I'll be working, but the following week I will come with you to the church. I want to observe your church, your fellowship. So that's how uh, he rang me up and I confirmed that uh, he could come and pick me up. So that was on the 31st of May, 1981. He came, picked me up and we went to the fellowship. My wife, uh, late wife, and uh, two children, Flora and Jeffrey, she didn't bring them. She said, no, I'm Catholic and I stay Catholic. I don't want to go to any other church. So she refused to come and she stayed at home. And then I just uh, went out and waited for my friend there. And he came, Peter. He came with his wife and family and we went to the church. And uh, I walked into the church. I so people very different, uh, the atmosphere was very different, not like the other churches that I've been attending, very different. They are full of love and joy and they smile and they came and shook hands with me and some said, welcome to the fellowship, you have come to the right place, right time, God is calling you. You know, all these languages uh, they placed on me. So I felt very, very... Uh, Welcome, happy, and I went in there and sat down and observed everything, everything that took place there. I had uh, singing, very, very good, lovely singing, testimonies and so forth. And then, of course, had the Word of God preached there, and I was very touched. And that's how I raised my hands, and I wanted to be baptized. I said to myself, I've tried all the other churches now I'm going to try out this one because uh, they're talking about miracles, wonders, and signs. So I raised my hand and uh, I got baptized. I was uh, number four, baptism there. I came out of the waters of baptism. I felt very different from my head to the toe. I was at peace. I was lighter and I was able to breathe. And so got changed and then the pastor told us to go up to the upper room upstairs so that they could pray for us to receive the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. I was instructed to say hallelujah and ask the Lord to, you know, to give me his Holy Spirit, but I didn't receive it. I didn't speak in another tongue. So we went up there and then the pastor and, you know, three or four officers there talked to us and then prayed for us to receive the Holy Spirit. And I didn't. And the pastor told me that, uh, Godfrey, you didn't receive the Holy Spirit now, but anytime you can receive it, here is the Bible. So he gave me a Bible too. I've never had Bible in my life. That was the first time in the history of my life to possess a Bible. So you'd been to all these churches, including the Roman yes. Church back in PNG. Yes. And never had a Bible of I've your own to read. No, I've never had a Bible. In the Catholic Church before, we never possessed any Bibles. Only the priests, we, the people, we never had Bibles. And that would make it difficult for people to understand mm, mm, whether uh, they're actually following what God's yeah, instruction is or not. Very difficult. Mm. That's why, you know, we didn't know anything about God, nothing at all. But anyways, that time I was given the Bible. The pastor told me to go and read the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. And then, of course, uh, I went home and... Uh, was reading the Bible that evening, and that's how I ended up receiving the Holy Spirit in my room, on my own. I spoke in tongues. What did you think at that point? Oh, that was quite an experience, quite an experience. I've never had this before. 
and I felt very different. The next day, my thoughts and uh, attitudes and whatnot started to change. I and so no one had told you about any need to change. This was just a change that was of your thoughts and your thinking because you'd received the Holy Spirit. Now, that evening, I received the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. I had a good night's sleep, first ever peaceful night mm-hmm. in my life, 30 years wow. of my life, I was at peace. The next morning, I was up and about, breathing. My physical uh, health came back like I was young before. You know, I didn't have any sickness before, and I was so happy, and uh, I felt like talking about God now, smiling, and all this and that, you know. And then uh, that's how my life completely changed, and I started reading Bible every time I'm at work. Every day I was reading the Bible. My workmates would come and said, hey, are you a missionary or what? <laughs> you know, the... Other fellow Papua New Guineans who, who were working with me at the time with Radio Australia, they were asking me this question, making fun of me, you know. But I didn't say anything. I just smiled. I said, I'm happy. I'm happy. So I prayed and prayed. And then finally, my late wife ended up in the waters of baptism with the biblical evidence of speaking in other tongues. You can uh, see that in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, the early Christians, how they received the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues on the day of Pentecost, day one, put it this way. Acts chapter 2, verse 4, and also Acts 2, 38, and Mark 16, 17 says that believers of this day and time can speak in tongues, shall speak in tongues. So speaking in tongues is the biblical evidence of, you know, we earthly people receiving the supernatural power, the Holy Spirit from God. So how did she go from being a not wanting to come along at all? I'm a Roman Catholic and that's what I am. Yes. So did did she see the change in She finally, she saw changes in me. She tried to hurt me and stop me, but praise the Lord. I didn't fight back. I didn't say anything. I just prayed to the Lord and left everything to the Lord and the Lord made it possible. So one day, one time, you know, I felt like I should ask her to come to the uh, fellowship with me. So on the morning of the 7th of July, 1981, I asked her, she said, okay, okay, I will wash the kids and, you know, and address them and we will go. Then I rang up my friend and him and his wife picked us up and we went. And on the 7th of July, she was sitting there, listened, heard everything. And of course, she couldn't wait to. She lifted up her hand, got baptized. She received the Holy Spirit on the spot when she came out of the waters of baptism. And when she came out to meet me, she cried. She was very emotional. So why was she asked me? So why was she crying? She cried because she was against me in the beginning. Mm-hmm. She was. She said, "No love in this house. You eat at tucker boxes and you come to the house. <laughs> no food here, no nothing. So things like that." And I didn't say anything. I just kept it to myself. I prayed and prayed, and then that's how the Lord opened the door. A miracle happened. She came, got baptized, received the Holy Spirit, and asked me to forgive her. And I said to her, you didn't know. Now you know now, so stay put. Stay with me. (laughs) So that's how she came to the Lord, and we, uh, you know, started attending fellowship there. We stayed in uh, Melbourne for 10 months. So I came to the Lord 31st of May, 81. She came to the Lord 7th of July, 81. And then March 82, we returned. We went back to Port Mosby. I used to like Melbourne. I wanted initially, I wanted to take up citizenship in Melbourne. You know, easy life for us here rather than going home and uh, looking for firewood and looking for uh, transportation and I think communication. God, I think God had a different plan for you. Yes. So <laughs> Which we'll get to in a minute. It's all, all these things were, you know, in our minds before. But uh, when I received the Holy Spirit, when she received the Holy Spirit, we didn't like to live in Melbourne anymore, like some modern Babylon to us. 
So that is how we prayed and prayed. She asked me, are we going back home or what, you know? I said, let's leave it to the Lord. And then, of course, praise the Lord. The Lord opened the door for us when uh, BHP, Propriety Limited, Broken Hill Propriety Limited, the company that owns uh, that owned, uh, Oak Teddy Mining Company back in the Star Mountains of PNG, mm-hmm. they uh, advertised press and publicity officer. I said, I better launch my application and see what happens. So two weeks, they rang me up, said, you come here, please. So I went and they told me, you got a job now. ABC didn't want me to resign. I went through the staff association and then they helped me and my freedom. So that's how I left. In fact, uh, BHB told me, said, we can, uh, you know, send you back to Port Mosby and you can work for us there. The whole family, you can go there. But anyway, ABC, they said okay to me, so they paid me. Mm-hmm. And then, so we went back to Port Mosby in March 1982. And then I worked with the Octady Mining Company as press and publicity officer there. Uh, March, April, May, June, July, August, I got a message from home that my mother was very ill and my brother too. So this is your home? My home village where my people are and my mommy and uh, all my, you know, brothers, sisters there. So that's how I went to the village. They gave me six weeks to go for a break. So myself and my late wife and the two little ones, we went home. Yeah, we went home in August 1982. We went there, arrived there in the afternoon. We landed there and then they picked us up, dropped us off the village. And then uh, in the evening, everybody in the village, I don't have a big village. How many people? Oh, about 70 or 80. Okay. So they worked on me, they cried and they were in tears of joy to see me again because I've never been home. Uh, since 68, 69. Yeah, 12 or 13 years, yeah, yes, a long time. about 12 or mm. 13 years. I haven't been home, and so the people, my relatives and friends and so forth, who know me, they came, met me, and uh, were so happy to meet me and so forth. And they also heard that I was sick in Melbourne. They heard that I was sick, and they also heard that my sickness was gone. But they didn't know who healed me. Did you tell them? Yes. So that's uh, that's a time I started to talk. I started to tell them and about myself being healed by the Lord. And then, of course, my late wife too. She came to the Lord, and uh, she herself too was telling them about her personal experience. She was against me too, but you know, after that, she came to the Lord. She received the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues on the spot, and completely different. Her life different from the previous. You know. So we were telling them, and everybody was psyched up. And then then I said to them, okay, this evening I want to pray for my mother. So they brought my sick mother. My mother was uh, suffering from cerebral malaria too, at the point of death, and also my elder brother suffering from anemia, shortage of blood, all his face down, the feet, it's all yellowish. Really? Wow. Yeah. And he was just sleeping there, lying there. You know, his children, uh, his brothers and sisters looking after him. So they were like that. So I talked to them and then I prayed for them. And then we kept talking until one or two o'clock and then I went to sleep. The next morning, people came. My mother was up, walk about, down to the river, to the creek, pick up some water. My elder brother, brother Edward, he also got up. And starting to look for food, he was hungry and wanted to eat more food and so forth, walking around himself. And, and he hadn't been doing so that for a while. No, not at all. They tried everything. They brought brethren churches and uh, Catholic churches, prayed for them, nothing doing. So, you know, when I came and prayed, it's a uh, talk of the village. The next morning, I was still sleeping. I didn't wake up until 11 o'clock or, you know, something around there. I was still sleeping because I went to uh, sleep very late. But the message had gone, Bush Telegraph. You know, the message had gone. And many, many more relatives. Who needs mobile phones? No Bush mobile Telegraph. phones. It's just Bush <laughs> Telegraph. And many more people, friends, relatives, and those people who were sick too, and said, yeah, I'm this and that too. I better go and see him too, you know. They all came. And when I came out about 11 o'clock or so, I went to the, uh, the hut there. 
Mansart. 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 Okay. And all the people were gathering there from the village and roundabout and my extended family members. They were all waiting for me. And I walked out there. They were all in tears. They were very emotional. And what, why were they emotional? Because of the family? Of love. Yeah. My mother and my elder brother, they tried everything. They've already prepared the place, cemetery for both of them. But when I prayed, it's a big story and the tears of joy. Was that the first time you'd prayed for anybody? Is that yes, the first time you'd seen yes. a healing? I've never prayed here. You know, I wasn't active very much. At times, I worked for three weeks, full weeks working. And so were you amazed? God's power had worked through you. Yeah. When you... I was amazed myself and I was very happy, full of joy, and I wanted more. How can you not want more? I started talking <laughs> and talking and talking. More people came. Whatever I did and laid hands and prayed, people came back some hours' time or the following days and said, I'm, I'm healed, I'm this and that. My legs here, I used to walk like this. Now I'm walking well now. My eyes and all my old body... I'm, I'm well now. I like to team up with you now. So they were talking like that. And then I said, well, it's not me. I'm not eating you people. Amen. It's the Lord God through his spirit. Mm. I have received his spirit. So me and my wife, we've received his spirit. That's why we're telling you people. So this is what you people ought to do now. So that's how they uh, started to come and hear more. And of course, I prayed for them more. And many, many people you know, were healed and touched by the Lord. And so uh, after three weeks... It's a pity that this isn't television because uh, the smile on your face when you're telling that story uh, is, is fantastic. You can just see the joy in your face remembering yes, this time. Yes, uh, I, I'm very, very happy because uh, through my people, you know, the fellowship is spreading right now across the whole nation. So was that really the start of... The work yes. for the Revival Fellowship Centres in Papua So the people came and especially those people who were healed by the Lord, they came to me and they said, we are going to start this church now and we're not going to attend that church anymore. We want this church now. So you leave your work and you come back and lead us now. Time to step up. So that's what they told me. <laughs> what did you think when they said that? Was that something that you wanted to do or was that something you felt called to do to lead the church or is well I've committed myself already and uh, I didn't have any sort of uh, questions or just what had to be done I just wanted to do it yeah yeah because uh, I'm the one who's gonna come and look after them you know so that's how I uh, got everybody together and then we discussed talked and then you know nine people raised their hands now to be baptized one a woman and eight men, brothers. So five, put it this way, five elderly between ages 40 and 70. And then the four were young, including the only woman, the girl at the time, Sister Angela, who was my niece, my elder sister's daughter. She was looking after her uncle, my elder brother. The one that got here. was her grandma. Mm -hmm. She was a nurse. Okay, wow. And so she was looking after them, feeding them, giving them medication. So she was but right she there. she saw the yeah. miracles happening, you know, upon her uh, grandma and then her uncle and the others. So she was the first one to raise hands, to be baptized. So that's how I uh, baptized the people on the 1st of September, 1982. First nine people. And then later on, another week, baptized another group again. The number went up to 30, 28 altogether, plus me and my late wife, 30 of us within two weeks in the fellowship. And then I stayed, as I said, six weeks. So we had more. It would have gone up to 40 or 50 and then I decided my time was up for work, so I returned to Port Mosby, and then I contacted Melbourne, all our pastors, brothers in Melbourne. So the first person to go up to PNG to assist me was a brother in Melbourne by the name of Keith Hounslow. So what was that phone call? What did you tell them? I told them, we have revival now <laughs> in Papua New Guinea. God is starting to pour out his spirit now in Papua New Guinea. I want some of you to come up now and help me out. I need some help. <laughs> yes. 
you people to come and help me out now. That's how Keith Hounslow went up there. He went up there, uh, 82, November 82. He went up there, then we went to the village, then we baptized more, and then organized the fellowship, and then we left them there, we came back, he came back to Melbourne, November, December, January, then Matt Gage, Keith Hounslow, Keith Dewitt, they went up there to help me out in January 1983. So were you still living in Port Moresby? Yeah, I was still living in Port Moresby. And so were there people starting to be spirit-filled in Port Moresby as well, or was it just still back in your village? People in the village, just to let you know what's been happening in Port Moresby, why I didn't do much in Port Moresby. When we went up there, the first Sunday I went to one church there, in Port Mosby, Assemblies of God Church. One of my workmates who was attending that fellowship, he invited me. We went along. I observed. I didn't like it. I moved out again. Too emotional, waving, clapping, singing. It's all emotional. I didn't like it. I didn't touch anything. I didn't take bread, wine, communion, or participate in anything, singing. I was just sitting there and observing everything. Observing everything. Then after the fellowship, I told my workmate, said, I'm going home now. And then I left. Then the following Sunday, I went to another church again. I didn't go to the, put it this way, the mainline churches there. I only attended so-called Pentecostal churches. So the following week, I went to another church, Pentecostal church, known as the CLC Church, Christian Life Center Church. I went there and said from the beginning to the end, Observed the same thing again. Slain in spirit, you receive Jesus as your personal savior and so forth. And I said to myself, no, this is not the... Were you comparing I the church... the churches with my own faith, and my what own was in experience the Bible? Yeah. and Bible. Yeah, and you couldn't find a church that lined up with it. what was in the New Testament? No. So I left CLC Church and third week I ended up with CRC Church. Christian Revival Crusade in Port Mosby. I went and observed everything there, very similar. They said, you receive Jesus as your personal saviour, you'll be slain in the spirit, all sorts of religious extravagances. So I didn't like it. And I just have a little fellowship with my family, you know, my wife, the two little ones, we just prayed, read Bible, prayed, prayed while we're eating, prayed while we, you know, before we go to sleep, pray. So we just read Bible and prayed. And praise the Lord. That's how the Lord opened the door for us to go back home. And that's how we started the fellowship back in the village, March 83. Yeah, I resigned. And Keith Hounslow, Matt Gates, and uh, yeah, they went up again and then they helped me. We shipped all my cargo from Port Mosby all the way to Lumi. So I resigned and went home to look after the church now. I went back home in 83 and then stayed there until 84. Then the brethren from Australia went there and appointed me as the pastor now looking after revival fellowships in Papua New Guinea. So that's in 1984, 33 years ago. Yeah, as a pastor. But the church actually got started 35 years ago. Mm-hmm. I actually came to the Lord 36 years ago, but mm-hmm. it is as of today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's how I went back to the village. I stayed in the village, worked in the village, and then we spread the gospel from Lumi into IDB which is about half-day walking into IDB, then from IDB to WeWAC, then WeWAC to Lay, Lay Port Mosby, and then now all the provinces now. It's in all the provinces throughout PNG now. A few episodes ago, I interviewed Liz and Louise, who've recently been to PNG at the rally that you had a few months ago, and I got the number wrong. How many people are there in the Revival Centre or Fellowship over there today? Over 100,000 now. 
That's extraordinary. The number of baptisms that we've conducted since the day one up till now would be over 100,000. Yeah. But right now we are baptizing also an average of uh, 200 a week throughout the country now. Wow. Average. That's 10,000 people a year. Last year we baptized 13,007. 13,007 baptisms. The highest number of baptisms was 2014. We had 15,000, just over 15,000. I was in PNG a couple of years ago uh, when the rally was at Port Borsby. Yes, 2015. Mm -hmm. We baptised 1,993. I remember. 1,993 baptisms. And what really surprised me was the way people responded to the gospel in PNG compared to the way people respond to the gospel here in Australia and maybe in other westernised countries as well. And part of that surprise was the miracles that I saw at the rally when people were baptised or when we prayed for them in the prayer line, which was mm, a phenomenal yes. experience. Mm. And I've seen lots of miracles here in Australia, but not to the same not to the same amount as I saw in PNG. Why do we see people respond to the gospel more and see a much greater rate of well, healing and miracles in PNG than we do in Western countries? Firstly, I would like to thank the early missionaries who went from Britain, who went from Australia, who went from Europe. They brought the gospel there. They told us to abandon our gods and come to know this true God, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God of Israel, God of the Bible. So they told us to abandon, leave our gods there. So these are the traditional, traditional gods of gods. the PNG people. Mm -hmm. We have statues, we have all sorts of things to worship there. And then when the missionaries went in there, they abandoned, left, and they came, started to attend churches. This was way back before the Second World War and then after the Second World War. Many Papua New Guineans were attending churches. Many, many, everywhere. So you look at Papua New Guinea now. It's a very, very God-fearing country, yes, isn't it? Yes, God-fearing country. And our political leaders, led by the first chief, the Prime Minister of PNG, Sir Michael Somare, him and the other big political leaders in those days, they lay down the constitution on top of the Bible. Now, I saw that firsthand when we did a tour of the Parliament House. And in the Parliament House, they had a traditional totem pole, yes. which had all of the traditional gods yes. and you know, things of That's worship right. inside of PNG. And then they had a new totem pole that they were building, I think, at the time. Yes. And... The guy who showed us around the Parliament House said that this is the old totem pole which was in the Parliament House. Mm. It's a very ornate carving. And he said that they were replacing that with this new totem pole because they didn't think that the old totem pole represented Papua New Guinea. And the new one started at the base, and the base or the foundation of the new totem pole was the Word of God. And then I think on top of that was the constitution maybe and then the people and parliament sort of way up there in terms of you know, what the country's foundational beliefs should be. Yes, so that is why when you were there that year, 2015, the speaker of the national parliament and other parliamentarians, they went over to US of A. They went over to America, I think Florida, and they brought in this 400-year-old uh, Bible, King James Version. They brought it to PNG and reminded the people because they saw that there are a lot of social problems now. People are no longer worshipping God. Some are going off the rails now. You're seeing a change in the country, yes. eh? They, so they brought the Bible in there, the 400-year-old Bible, to remind the people to get back on the trail. But to us, to us, right now, total number of churches in PNG, we have over 220 church groups in the country, everywhere. So people are attending churches. But I put it this way, one thing that is missing now in PNG 
and perhaps the world is the Holy Spirit. That's a missing link. Mm. It's the Holy Spirit. Well, that's where the power is. So that's why you observe BNG now. Uh, many, many people have been attending churches, but nothing. And when they heard, when they witnessed with their own eyes, or they heard from the relatives and friends who are in this fellowship, they went and talked to them, and they'd come and observe. We were persecuted everywhere. Persecutions. I was persecuted everywhere. I went through rough seas. People fought me, spoke evil against me, called me false prophet in the last days. False prophets would rise up and deceive people and so forth. That's how they described me. Mm. And about three, four times, four times, other churches went through the police, went through the authorities, law authorities, and have me and my people in our fellowship, we would face the court cases. Really? Because they didn't uh, believe in speaking in tongues. They described as speaking in tongues was to the devil. Even Devilish though, even worship. the scripture says opposite. They didn't know the scriptures. <laughs> Devilish worship and all sorts of things. They went against us. So many things. Persecutions. And so they created a court case to try and we didn't do anything. stop you? Or? We didn't fight back. We just smiled, walked away. We prayed to the Lord. That's what we did. And of course... They lost, and the church just grew and grew and grew. And as I said, the missing link is the Holy Spirit. They don't have it. No Holy Spirit. We were there too. Many, many of us in the churches there, you know, we were in the churches. We didn't have the Spirit. We didn't see changes in our lives physically and spiritually, nothing at all. So when we heard of, you know, the simple gospel of being born again of the water and of the spirit. John 3, 3 to 5, Acts 2, 38. And the question that we, we uh, questioned the people attending churches in PNG was Acts 19, 2. Acts 19, 2. Have you received the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, since you believed? Because wherever we went, the people claimed that they were already Christians. They were already attending churches. They believe in God. But we found out that the missing link is the Holy Spirit. That's why when we put this question out there, many people just answered it by walking into us. In the Bible, they answer by saying, yes. we've not even heard of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mm. Acts 19.2, mm. verses 1 to verse 7. So that's what we are applying now. We'll be doing that in PNG, you know. And many, many people coming out of the churches to be with our fellowship now. And 99% of the people actually came out of the churches. 1% came out from the not attending churches. But most people came out from the churches to be with us now. You know, and they themselves are talking. They themselves are talking everywhere. So I think that's the difference now, between what we see here in Australia because I know when I was witnessing to people over there in PNG when mm. I was there, is that we didn't have to convince people that God existed and then that the church that we were attending followed just like in the Bible. Whereas here we have to convince them, A, that God exists and B, that our church is following just the example as Jesus said. I think that's the challenge, why people are so hard to talk to here in Australia. Is there, I mean, you must have seen... uh, an innumerable amount of miracles in your 30 years? Well, I can tell you that the book of Acts is recurring in PNG now. The book of Acts is happening in PNG now. Every day? Every day. Last week in Port Mosby, last Sunday, yesterday, they had 50 baptisms. The week before, they had 42 baptisms. So put it this way, it shows you how many people, you know, will get baptized. Mm in PNG. So people are coming in because of healings, miracles, wonders, signs, and of course, the missing link is the Holy Spirit. And when you uh, see the people coming out in great numbers like that, you, you know that the true church of God 
is the Holy Spirit Church. And how I describe it and explain it to the people of Papua New Guinea is the church of origin. God's church, Holy Spirit Church, speaking in tongues church, wonders and signs following church, power, order, love, and discipline church. God started on the day of Pentecost, day one in Jerusalem, when the Lord himself, when he was here, he took the disciples walking around doing this and doing that, healing people and preaching to the people about the kingdom of God and so forth. And then when they killed him and he died and he was raised up by God, he told the disciples, prepare them, told them, you can wait here and wait for the promise of the Father. That's what happened. So they went and waited there, prayed, fasted, and waited for the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus went back, Holy Spirit came. And we see in the book of Acts there, Acts chapter 2 particularly, the first national crusade. <laughs> national crusade. First national rally. Rally. <laughs> crusade. Held by Peter. Simon Peter. Peter, the leader of all the apostles. In the city square of Jerusalem. He talked to the people there. He rebuked the people there. He wasn't scared anymore. He talked. He rebuked. People feared God. They knew that they had killed the Son of God and they feared, you know, that their blood was, his blood was in their hands. So they decided that they, they should do something now. Mm. That's how they got up and asked Peter, what are we going to do in order to be saved? And Peter told them, every one of you must repent now. Get baptized now. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Today is the day of salvation. And that's how we ended up baptizing 3,000 souls on the day of Pentecost. Wonders and signs following power church. God started from there, then moved into, you know, Rome, Corinthians, Corinth, Galatia, Ephesus, and so forth. That's when they first started moving the gospel. Yes. I was talking to a brother on the way here. He said, I remember Pastor Godfrey telling me one thing, and he said, I've never forgotten that. He said, you've got to move the gospel. You've got to move the gospel. That's it. That's what I see. I'm talking of experience, you know, talking of experience. If you sit in your comfort zone and don't say anything about God and don't do anything about God, don't apply the instructions or the commission that we've been commissioned in uh, Mark 16, 15 to 20, where Jesus commissioned the disciples that you go out now. You have received the Holy Spirit, now you go out now. You received the Holy Spirit, now you go out now. Go and preach the gospel. He told them to wait there, and they waited there, they received it, and then they went out. They spread the gospel. That's how they grew the church up until now. So you and I now are the modern-day prophets, the spirit-filled believers. We are the modern-day prophets. We are the anointed ones, not nominal ones, but anointed ones. We are the ones and we should realize, every one of us should realize that we should move the gospel. The Lord now relies on us. He depends on us now. No one else. We are the ones preaching this simple gospel of salvation. Unless a man is born again of the warden of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So we, the spirit-filled believers, that's our commission now. That's why we need to take the gospel out. We do. Last time I went to Fiji and I went to Philippines and Fiji and went to Solomon Islands and I told all our people there, that's what I have been telling Papua New Guineans from the day one. Go and preach the gospel. You are now a little savior of your own people. You go there, you go there, you go there, you go there. You know, you are a little savior of your own people. You know the culture, you know how your people live, you know the language. Today is the day of salvation. We have to fulfill this plan and purpose of God. God now depends on us now. So you look at Matthew chapter 3, the very first words of John the Baptist. What did he say? The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is here now. Come now, repent now. Get baptized now. Follow God now. Tomorrow is tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. And I want to see people getting saved every day. 
not lousy once a week. That was the theme of yes. the 2015 rally when, when I was there. Today is the day of salvation. Yes. I remember coming back from Papua New Guinea, making a vow that I would never hold back when I had the opportunity to preach the gospel. And I'd been back about a week or two, and I was in a cafe, and I heard a guy talking about, it's all Eve's fault. And I thought, here's your opportunity, Ben. You'd made a vow when you got back from Papua New Guinea not to hold back, and I didn't. And I had a conversation with the guy, and about six or eight weeks later, he got baptised at a house meeting and filled with the Holy Spirit a week later. Amen. And uh, never looked back, never held back since. Today is the day of salvation. Today is mm. the day. So you and I have to do that. We have to do that. The Lord is depending on us to do that. We must help build up his kingdom on this earth. Build up his kingdom in the church. Holy Spirit church. We have no greater calling, no. do we? This is it. So I told people of Papua New Guinea, and last time I was in Fiji, you know, the Fijians are going up now. They're going now. Just last uh, weekend, they baptized 30 or something like that, near a little town in near Suva. Mm-hmm. I went and told them, move the gospel. Get out of your comfort zone. Move the gospel. How are we going to save the people? The Lord wants all people to repent. That's his words. He wants all people, four corners of the globe, must hear his word before he returns. How will they hear? Romans 10, 14 down, you know. How will they hear if there are no preachers? You know. So, how beautiful are the feet of them that bring good news. That's how the Bible, the word of God, the Lord describes us. So we got to keep moving, keep talking. The best matter that I see uh, will influence a lot of people is offering prayers. Offering prayers and laying hands on the sick and you will see God at work. This is it. Prayer with faith, people are healed by the Lord. Don't wait to pray for people. Just offer prayers. Offer prayer there and then. You hear friends, mates, relatives, people whom you know, your workmates, schoolmates, if they are sick, ring them up. Can I come and pray for your daddy, mummy, pray for you? You know? There are God's people are out there. You and I don't know who is who out there. God's people are out there. He knows. How will he call them without us going there? You know, he uses us. So we go out there, we preach the gospel, we pray. Miracles want the signs taking place, attracting people. Come, come. And that's how the kingdom of God grows. Everything, the church is run on upon the testimony of our Lord Jesus Christ himself. Jesus, in his day and time, Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, he walked around everywhere, streets everywhere. He borrowed houses. He borrowed transport, everything, you know. He ate food with the people. He didn't have his own setup. He just borrowed, moved, talked, walked, prayed, talked about the kingdom of God, prayed. People healed we are the modern-day disciples. Acts 3, 22. No greater example is there. Acts chapter 3, verse 22. You know, Acts chapter 3, verse 22. That's what we ought to do. And then the kingdom of God will grow. Yes. The Lord wants us to do that so that it will fulfill his plan and purpose to mankind. The sooner we do that, the sooner he returns. Yes. I can't think of a greater calling and a greater reason to go and preach the gospel. Amen. So this is what we need to do now. Every one of us now to get out of our comfort zone, start talking, start talking and praying. Talk and pray. Walk and talk and you create revival. Amen. No talking, no walking, no. I tell Papua New Guineans, you want to follow me? You want to come with me to preach the gospel? I want you to wave, smile, give out leaflets, pamphlets, and then you come with me in my car. If you don't do this, don't come. I challenge Papua New Guineans. I want to hear testimonies of new people. They hear of us and they want to come here for prayers, to be baptized or to observe our fellowship with needs and wants or with sick people. I want to hear them coming through our gate here, church gate here, 
they get healed at the gate. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. God's Spirit is moving here. God is blessing this place. This place is holy. So sin no more. You come to church, you come to worship God in spirit and in truth. And that's it. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing <laughs> and spending some time with us to listen to Amen. what is not only a fantastic story, but just a great encouragement to us all about what we should do and why we're here. Amen. You said you had a favourite scripture. My favourite scripture is Hebrews 13 verses 5 and 6. I read it now. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what men can do to me. Amen. I lived with that scripture. Amen. Since the day one, mm. when I went everywhere, people attacked me, called me, described me, did everything to stop me from spreading this simple gospel. But I swallowed everything. I just committed myself, time, everything to the Lord. And now revival is moving in the country. Acts 2, 17, Acts 2, 39. In the last days, God will pour out his spirit upon all men. Amen. So we're living in the latter rain revival. Good stuff. Revival of the Holy Spirit. So that's what is missing in the Christianity world today is the Holy Spirit. So wherever you are, look for Holy Spirit. You'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then you will be able to enter into the kingdom of God. John 3, 3 to 5. And Acts 2.38. Without this process, without this civil gospel, you cannot claim God, you cannot claim Jesus, or claim heaven as yours. No, it belongs to God. God is the one who's calling people, not you and me. Mm. Amen. Amen. God bless. <laughs> Well, that's the wrap, folks. I'm so glad that Pastor Godfrey took the time when he was here to share his story. I'm hoping to get him back again when he's next in Adelaide, or maybe when I'm next in Papua New Guinea. I'm sure he could fill my cloud podcast subscription with all the amazing things he's witnessed over the past 30 years in Papua New Guinea. Thanks for listening. To help move the gospel, as Pastor Godfrey encourages us, please share this podcast with others. Like and rate us on Instagram or Facebook and all the major podcast apps like Apple Podcasts, Podbean and Stitcher. And if you want to know more about how God can work in your life, then visit www.trf.org.au. Thanks for listening and until next time, God bless. God bless.